Simple Beep, Episode 76, System Alert Sounds. Hello, and welcome to Simple Beep, a podcast looking back at the history of Apple and the Mac community. I'm Ed Cormany. And I'm Brian Satorius. And this is, believe it or not, Brian, our fourth anniversary episode. Woohoo! Yeah, it's kind of remarkable that we've made it this far. Longtime listeners know that the pace of the show has slowed down a little bit, uh, but we decided that it was better to keep going at a monthly pace rather than give up. And so we're still here and we still have definitely more topics to do. So we are going to head into our fifth year after this episode. So for this show, we decided since it was an anniversary episode to do something special looking back towards the beginning of our show, which we started with the startup chime. And so today we're going to come back and visit all of the system alert sounds through, well, the classic Mac period and all the way up until the present. Before we do that, though, we have just one thing. It's more of a, like, I guess it's follow-up announcement, something like that, uh, is that our t-shirts are coming back. So we got some good news from the people at Cotton Bureau. They have basically grown their business to the point now that they don't have to do all of their shirts in the sort of Kickstarter-like campaign type of format and are going to always available stores. So maybe some of your other favorite podcasts have made similar announcements recently, but we are working with them to get our shirts back up on the store. And so by the time that this episode comes out, you should the easiest way to do it is just to go to simplebeep.com slash shirt, and we will link the appropriate information there. So if you missed out on the shirt that we did earlier this year, the World Tour shirt with all of the original Mac fonts, that one is definitely coming back because we did that through Cotton Bureau this time around. And we're also working on getting our original shirt, which I think was our first anniversary. So this all ties together, right? Yeah. That was our first anniversary where we did the list, uh, the classic Helvetica ampersand style shirt, and we had uh, Droplet and Indigo and Quack and Simple Beep and Sosumi and Wild Eep. And boy, if that isn't a perfect transition into our topic for today. Yes, the system alert sounds from which we have gotten our show name. So we're going to go through chronologically as we like to. And at the beginning, things will be a little bit lost in the mists of time. And things will uh, get clearer around the System 7 era, as they tend to. And we won't spend too much time in the uh, Mac OS X era, but we will wrap up with that. So winding back to basically System 1 and the original Macintosh, one of the things that was, of course, notable about the Macintosh in 1984 was its sound support. And that was showcased in things like the original announcement, where it spoke in a proto-Fred voice, um, and then the fact that every Macintosh shipped with sound support, which was not taken for granted at all in the PC world. You might not have a speaker at all, or you might have the, quote, PC speaker, which could really just synthesize basic tones, as opposed to the Mac, which could actually reproduce audio. So from the very beginning, there were options in terms of what sounds your Mac would make. Uh, we talked about the startup chime years ago, and that was the first thing that you heard when you started up your Mac. But there were other things that you could hear, and the Mac would play a tone whenever there was essentially an alert. And this could be triggered in 
different ways. Basically, when a dialog or alert box popped up on the screen, and then to some users' confusion and annoyment, uh, if you got a modal dialog box and clicked outside of it, that would certainly trigger the alert sound. And so you might hear it quite a bit. And it was really part of the interface of the Mac. Part of the graphical user interface was also this audio component from the very beginning. And while later versions of the system software provided different options for these alert sounds, the original Macintosh didn't. Uh, I'm sure longtime listeners of the show and aficionados of the classic Mac, and especially the, the first Mac, know that the original control panel was one window designed by Susan Kerr that was very pixel precise and uh, lauded for its simplicity. And in the area where you could choose the system volume, that was basically it uh, with regard to sound. There were no options for which sound to play when an alert went off, just the volume of the alert and the system volume in general. And that alert tone wasn't explicitly named in the original Max control panel, but it's very familiar to (laughs) listeners of this show. (laughs) You've already heard it once this show at the top, or at least something like it. So at the beginning, like we said, there were the Mac had broader sound capability, but the alert sound was fixed. Uh, there seems to be various technical documentation that indicates that it is a brief concert A, that is 440 hertz tone. And as someone who tuned stringed instruments for a long part of my life in high school and college and a little bit beyond, uh, that kind of rings true because that was the note that we tuned those instruments to. And yeah, it seems about right. Um, and then... It also brings into question, I'm not entirely sure how this functioned at the very beginning with the original Macintosh. My guess is that, again, because space was extremely limited, you're running off of low-density floppy drives, uh, that there was no encoded sound file that was played as as that tone. This was more like the PC world (laughs) in certain ways, where you're basically saying, giving a command directly to the speaker, synthesize a single tone at 440 hertz for a particular length of time, and that would serve as your alert sound. And then as things moved on through the history of the Mac and we gained more space and more flexibility and more sound file formats, that sound was actually encoded and written to disk rather than assuming that there would be that sort of close hardware connection to say, directly synthesize a tone. And at that point is perhaps where the simple beep not only got its name, but perhaps became more complex. Yes. So like Ed said, at the start of every episode of this show, we play an audio file that we know as a simple beep. Uh, I think the copy of the file that I have is named bip, B-I-P dot A-I-F-F. And as far as I can tell, this was a, like I just said, pre-recorded, you know, uh, explicitly saved, encoded sound file that was bundled with probably later versions of the macOS. But there's a different version of the Simple Beep, the only version that I ever remember hearing on the classic Macintosh hardware units in my house, which I think uh, only went as far back as System 6, and stretching into today when I run macOS 9 on 
uh, previously my iBook G3, but now just in the Sheep Shaver emulator. And so the the more simple, perhaps play this tone synthesized bip.aiff sounds again like this. And the simple beep that I remember from my childhood and still hear today sounds like this. And there are some differences. Uh, I feel like the latter one's a little more uh, richer. It sounds like an organic instrument and not a digitally synthesized audio signal. But uh, they are, to my ears, the same concert A uh, pitch and tone. Yeah, I just opened up the uh, the BIP in Audacity. And this is one of those cases where like your brain is totally playing tricks on you. Um, where that sound, it, it seems like when it hits, it, it works as an alert tone because it feels like it has a little attack to it, um, where it sort of like hits and then fades a little bit. But that's totally just your brain. <laughs> if you look at the waveform, like, uh, oh, maybe it changes just a little bit. It might fade just a tiny little bit. And if you look at this waveform, it's definitely a sawtooth type waveform. So it's that type of synthesizer tone. Uh, it's not a sine wave tone, because even as an alert tone, I think that uh, the perfectionists at Apple would have found that to be too harsh, because those like really simple sine wave tones, sort of the platonic ideal of a sound wave, actually uh, comes off sounding really weird. Um, and those kinds of decisions certainly went into the crafting of um, of the startup tones as they progressed in the early Mac. And uh, this was effectively the startup tone in the original Mac, but it got more complex as uh, as things went along. And I think we've discussed on the show before how the history of the original Macintosh and System 1 through System 5 and its final point releases is, uh, is a certainly murky for us through personal experience. I don't think either of us ever have touched a, a physical machine running that operating system. And is also a little murky online, but to the best of our knowledge, uh, mostly judging by the control panels, which were similar to that original Susan Care control panel, the ability to add different sounds overall uh, did not appear until System 6. So for System 1 through System 5, you had the uh, unnamed simple beep. But then going into System 6 there did start to be interface for choosing your alert sound. And to make uh, an informed choice, they needed to have names. Uh, so Simple Beep was the name that it got, and it went to the top of the list. And according to everything that we can find from various System 6 installs that can be run in emulation or videos of people running it on actual hardware, it looks like there were three additional sounds that made it in System 6. And we mentioned the, you know, the murkiness of 1 through 5. Also remember the extremely short time span of 1 through 5. So this is just, you know, two to three years after the original Macintosh is where this starts to open up. The four alert sounds in System 6 were simple beep, clink clink, boing, and monkey. I mean, it sounds like a circus, right? It does. Um, like I said, uh, we definitely had our Macintosh 2 running System 6 for a brief point in my life. But again, I would have been three or four years old. I have very, very faint memories of cycling through these four sounds. 
Um, like individually, they have no meaning to me, but the kind of medley of all four in that sequence did trigger a memory of me probably harassing my parents and making the computer play the four sounds I knew how to access. Um, and as far as any kind of lore or story behind these sounds, uh, I wasn't able to find any for uh, Clink Clank, Boing, or Monkey. The most I can come up with is that Boing was one of three sounds that was built into HyperCard. And uh, HyperCard 1.0 came out in 1987. System 6 came out in 1988. So maybe HyperCard helped inform System 6 in that tiny regard. Uh, The one notable thing that will come up again towards the end of the show is that one of the HyperTalk commands would be play, sound name, and then you could put in musical notes. You could say ABC to play a middle A, middle B, middle C, or you could specify octaves. And so uh, there were definitely times where I would go into a fresh HyperCard stack and make a button that just did like play Boeing with a like... Mary had a little lamb or, or something very simple, but it would just be a, a sequence of boings pitched up and down. Trying to compose music in HyperTalk is not a particularly easy thing to do, but these sounds did give that ability. I think they kind of lined up hand in hand with things like MIDI instruments for doing that kind of programmatic uh, programmatic music creation. Um, and I think that in this era, HyperCard did kind of define the format for these sounds. Because even later into the classic Mac, there were these references to hypercard sounds. So there was some way in which these were stored, presumably in the resource forks of hypercard stacks, that was something different, um, or at least the way that they were then translated into the way that they were output through the speakers was different. So all the way through the end of the classic Mac era, if you go into ResEdit and open up any file that has a sound resource in it, there's uh, there's the command T command for uh, playing the sound because it's try sound. It's what it's called. <laughs> but in that same menu, there's something that's called try as hypercard sound. And Frequently, I think the you know the later that it got, the further from System Six that it got, the more likely that was to just not do anything or crash res edit or something, uh, because it wasn't actually expecting that type of input. Uh, but there were these legacy sounds that perhaps would not play with the regular try command, but then could be played as hypercard sounds, and then. I don't even know what you would have had to do to try to convert from one to the other. There was probably some little utility app that did that, that I fortunately never had to, uh, never had to deal with. It provides a kind of a nice segue into the next era of Macintosh operating systems and germane to this episode, their alert sounds. Right. And we looked back at some system six emulators and, uh, we're kind of stuck on, wait, how do we get additional sounds in here? I, th- there must be a way. Um, and I think there was a way. This was in the era of Font DA Mover. Um, but I opened that up in an emulator, and true to its name, it only moves fonts and DAs, desktop accessories, <laughs> into the system, which at that point just looked like the, you know, when you opened up the system folder, uh, there was one of those like round fatty Mac icons that 
persisted as a as a system. It's not like it, it's like the Happy Mac ate too much or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're really bizarre looking things because Apple never made computers that look like this, but it's what came to be like a system resource icon. Um, and in there, there's just system and that's it. Um, and I presume if you could crack it open with ResEdit, you might see some other things in there. As opposed to when we moved into the System 7 era, uh, many of the things in the system folder looked the same, but you also now had the system suitcase, which for the most part was as inert as that plain system file, but behaved in the finder like a folder. And when you opened it up, what you saw in there were things like keyboard layouts and your alert sounds. And this was largely due to the introduction of a new file format, which, as far as I know, this is the official name. It was called System 7 Sound. Um, And if you you went and got info on uh, such a file, uh, well, maybe it would just say sound. Uh, (laughs) But this was what most people in the Mac community knew them as. Uh, And it was this particular... I mean, it's it's a weird little file type. Uh, I believe that it's a file type that has only a resource fork. Um, and basically, if you just have a bare sound SND resource in a file, and you give it the correct type and creator code, which were SFIL, sound file, and MOVR, which is where I think what made me think of font DA mover, That was one of those reserved creator codes that dealt with the things that went into the system suitcase, or really anything that went into suitcases. Um, And then you could have these files. The interesting thing was their behavior. So uh, you got this, you you got the behavior in System 7 and System 7.5, where if you dropped certain types of files onto the system folder, it would automatically prompt you for essentially installation of those files. So if you dropped an extension on there, it says, hey, do you want to put this in extensions folder? Because if you just drop it in the system folder, it's not going to do anything. Uh, Same for fonts and the same for these sound files. If you just dropped it on the system folder, it would say, hey, do you want to move that into the system suitcase? And then anything that was in the system suitcase became available as an alert sound. Like I said, these the behavior is a little bit strange. Like, if you go into the system suitcase and you double-click one of these files, this is another strange thing about these files, there's no application for them. There must have been sound editing applications that could open them directly or manipulate them in some way. But basically, either you double-clicked the file and it played just on the spot, or you could open it in ResEdit and mess around with the sound resource. But that was pretty much it. In the classic Mac OS parlance, these are almost like clippings where like a text clipping just opened a window of text in the finder, <laughs> not not in any word processing application. And the same thing for a, a picture clipping. It would just open like the, I guess, what was it? Like a TIFF or the like whatever quick draw file. Picked? Yes, picked. And just in the finder, um, kind of like quick look in modern Mac OS yeah, I'm I'm playing around here in a um, Mac OS nine install, and uh, to even get one of these files out onto the desktop, again because of the weirdness of the system suitcase 
looks like a folder but totally is not a folder. Um, if you try to just drag one out onto the desktop, it goes, no, not allowed. You're not allowed to manipulate. You're not allowed to just tear things out of the system suitcase. But you can hold down Option and copy one to the desktop. So I've got a uh, while leap on the desktop. Uh, and I just op- tried to open it with QuickTime Movie Player. And it will do it, but only after like a translation process. And it gives me an you know, untitled one document with the contents of that sound in there. Yes, it'll play. But there's it, it's still, you're like just importing that sound to be used in a new context rather than actually opening the file. You're just not expected to do that with these things. Well, uh, you mentioned Wild Eep. Why don't we go through the the list of sounds in System 7, which uh, we'll get to Jim Reeks. We've talked about him in our initial episode, and he's responsible, again, for a lot of the the sound landscape in classic macOS. But uh, So there are a couple links we'll, we'll put here from Jim Reeks, but I think in one of them he says... Uh, he was tired of the limited options in System 6, the Clink Clink, the Boeing, and the Monkey. And so he wanted to have a, a, a fresh new selection of sounds. Some of them he created, some of them he solicited from others, basically in a contest, I think other Apple employees, and he would give them something if, if, he, if their sound was selected. And at least one of them was, which we'll get to. Uh, but the, the the new list of system alert sounds in System 7 which I think also persisted through macOS 8, was Simple Beep, Droplet, Indigo, Quack, Sosumi, and Wild Deep. And so one of the things that I think is interesting here, digging into the history of some of these a little bit more, is what was synthesized and what was recorded. And it seems like anything that there were two of these sounds that seemed straightforward to synthesize, which would be um, Indigo and Sosumi. And the rest is like, where did they get those? And apparently the answer is someone stood in front of a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and the one that I wondered about that for a long time was Droplet. Yes. In our show outline, we sometimes will highlight which sections we want me to talk about or which sections we want Ed to talk about. And I was tempted to highlight Droplet in Ed's color because I know that you can do the droplet by striking uh, by striking your your cheek. Wait, did you just do it? Yep. <laughs> See, that's perfect. And and yeah, I've always wondered, since I knew that you could do that, if however they made the droplet system alert sound was uh, made in that same way. Yeah, this thing where, where you like flick the side of your cheek and then also sort of exhale out through rounded lips. Um, but it's so clean. Like someone... Some, Mine are messy, and someone got it perfect is how I feel like the original droplet existed. I don't know what the right word is. I wish I had better language for describing sound, but it's almost like too melodic, or it has too much of a an actual tone to be the kind of what I think is a flat sound of a water droplet hitting the surface of water. It's more of like this this ascending pitch. Right. It's like a perfect glissando from one note to another. And it starts on tune and it ends on tune. Um, where I, I don't have perfect pitch and I certainly don't have control over it when I make the droplet sound. But yes, it's a it's a great example of this in David Letterman parlance stupid human trick that I've always wished I could be able to do and can't. But Ed can. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Quack. 
holds a special place in my heart uh, for something I'll get to in just a minute. But um, there is an older article on Boing Boing that is kind of a, a compilation of different pieces of Mac sound history from across the internet. And one of the things that it appears the article author at Boing Boing did was find a really long comment thread at Slashdot that Jim Reeks himself participated in. And uh, they pulled out some of the good parts in this article. And one of them uh, is Jim Reeks saying that the quack system alert sound is literally one of the file system engineers at Apple impersonating a duck. (laughs) I believe it. I totally believe that one. And uh, the reason I have an affinity for the quack sound is, um, I don't know if we mentioned this in our episode about the icon community um, from a couple years ago, but one of the icon sites I used to go to was called Robot Frog, and it was by a guy named Bob Nystrom or Nystrom. This is like from the from the height of the wafer baby design aesthetic, and and he's kept Robot Frog up on the internet, like not even through the uh, the Internet Archive. Um, and in addition to icons and some desktop wallpapers, he made some very small Mac applications. One of them is the kind of lights off game, uh, and another is an i an application with a couple of different ducks that's it's a 32 by 32 window and it's just supposed to like sit in the background of your computer and these animated ducks will open their mouths and it will play the quack sound and if you download the application and run it you can set uh the speed of the ducks which is from a coffee menu where it's like uh one is maybe a drip coffee and seven is like double espresso or something like that and it's basically like how frequently the ducks quack. Does it adjust the pitch too? It does. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and I definitely came to this app through being a fan of his icons, but it was once I had the app, I kept it on every classic install, like through to this day, it's in my sheep shaver install. And uh, that's why I like the quack. Cause it reminds me of this really goofy little app. <laughs> And yeah, since since it was a system sound, you could just count on it being there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose someone could, you know, the way that the System 7 sound file technology worked, I believe that you could remove some of the built-in sounds if you wanted to. I think you could for all of them except Simple Beep. Which also, if you, we talked about how the system suitcase behaved like a folder, if you open up that folder, you will not find a file called simple beep. It is not there. Uh, so it is hard coded in the system so that yes, even if you removed all of the other sounds, then you would get that as your one remaining alert possibility. You're never without the simple beep. That's why we picked it. It's classic. Yep. So one of the other sounds here that I think, well, it is the most enduring and we'll get to that at the end of the show is Sosumi. Uh, I love this sound. It's a total classic. We've talked about it on the show many times before. And of course, the the most notable thing about it is its name and the uh, thumbing the nose at uh, Apple Record Company. <laughs> was it Apple Core that was the, the Beatles recording company? Um, and their, I think, unofficial detente with Apple that Apple shouldn't make anything that was essentially capable of producing music. Well, that didn't turn out so well. Yeah. I would like to take credit for alerting the internet to this. I'm sure I wasn't the first person, but I believe I brought it to wider attention 
that the the CSS class for fine print on Apple's website, I think in certain points, even to this day, is Sosumi, spelled the same as the system alert sound, which is kind of a fun little Easter egg. All the stuff that's there to appease lawyers uh, is the CSS class Sosumi. I submitted this to a design blog called Little Big Details many years ago, and it was at the peak of this blog's readership. I, I say anecdotally, at least because I was reading it. I'm still subscribed to it in my RSS reader, and they haven't posted in a while. But I've noticed that the Wikipedia entry for Sosumi, I think there's a Mashable article, all cited this little big details post about it, which I submitted. You can still tell that if you go to the Tumblr site and scroll to its notes. Uh, the very first note is Brian submitted this to little big details. And I thought it used to be linked to my personal Tumblr, but my personal Tumblr now that I think about it, it might be inactive, which is why you can't verify that it's actually me. But I promise you it was me because I was trolling around Apple's uh, HTML code for some reason and thought that that was funny. Real-time follow-up. I went to apple.com slash iPhone, scrolled to the bottom where there's a bunch of little uh, asterisks and daggers and disclaimers and stuff and went to inspect element. And the uh, I guess the nomenclature has gotten a little bit more complex, but that is section class equals AC hyphen GF hyphen Sosumi. That's the text that's telling you that you can get $500 for trading in an iPhone 10. <laughs> um, so that has also lasted a long, long time. <laughs> Excellent. And lastly, alphabetically, uh, is the delightful sound, wild eep. eep. I presumed it was just someone going eep. But we have uncovered the story of Wild Deep, and boy, it takes a turn. <laughs> it's a sad story for a very happy sound. Um, this is from the Apple Wikia, so it definitely has to be true. Even more true than the things you find on real Wikipedia. Um, but here's the story. Um, is that the sound was recorded for a simple game called Dropper by an Apple employee's then-wife, then wife is the key part of this story. Oh, no. <laughs> he says, this is a quote from him, uh, C.K. Hahn, the, um, the Apple employee in question. This is a raw, unmodified sound that she made one evening while we were watching television. <laughs> I immediately dragged her to my programming office to record the unique sound for later use. We divorced soon afterwards. And for years, I was pestered by hearing her go eep at me from hundreds of computers on the Apple campus. Oh. The end of this story is just like one of those little, uh, uh, you know, like stick drawing comics that go, oh, no. Because um, I think this is cited somewhere, somewhere in that giant slash dot thread uh, uh, covered by Boing Boing, where Jim Reeks confirmed that the the wild eep was one of the quote unquote contest winners where someone was like, here's a sound that could go into the operating system. And I think to even add another layer of uh, discomfort, CK Hound didn't submit it. It was one of his colleagues who was like, hey, my buddy CK put this great sound of his wife in his game. It should be in the system software. I don't know if this was related. If anyone knows, it would be great to find out. But then Wild Deep was eventually removed. And this was, of course, I'm sure a great relief to Mr. Hound, <laughs> but uh, not really great for people who are everyday Mac users who loved this sound. I mean, go into a school that had Macs, and I would th I would bet that pretty much every single one, someone has set the alert sound to Wild Deep. 
You and I certainly did this. Oh, I did it all the time. Um, because it was objectively the best of these uh, of these six sounds. Um, but it did get removed. I don't know if this had anything to do with it, if he petitioned for its removal or something like that. Um, but people were sad. And I found that at this time, uh, I guess follow-up from last episode, Mac Addict had a reader contest for people to re-record the wild eep sound, basically to imitate it. And there's a page on the Wayback Machine that's all about this. Sadly, the .sit.hqxs that they posted on the site of the sound files are not available. But they do have a page that's uh, archived uh, from their reader art section that we mentioned briefly last time. Um, And it is called Mac Addict Reader Art, The Natural Eep. And it's basically a parody submission that somebody went to Australia and saw an endangered wild eep (laughs) (laughs) and submitted this 3D rendered picture of what a wild eep is supposed to look like. Um, it, It predates it by many years, but it looks like one of those procedurally generated creatures in No Man's Sky. It's kind of like a blue cow with a mis- misshapen chicken head <laughs> standing on top of a KPT Bryce landscape. Of course. Very delightful. Very much the humor that we talked about last episode that only Mac Addict could bring and that only they would be willing to like publish. Even in a back page type of thing, um, no other Mac magazine was going to put this out there. They would go, oh, yes, well, we noticed that the system sounds changed. No. Uh, Mac Addict went all in on the uh, on the endangered Eep story. Well, Ed, like you mentioned, there is a, a little bit of turnover in between System 7 and Mac OS 8, uh, probably most notably the wild Eep going away. But uh, with few exceptions, the entire roster of System Sounds was overhauled for Mac OS 9, which kind of laid a foundation for uh, a broader selection of system alert sounds that persists into Mac OS 10 and to the Mac OS today. Yeah, so you put the entire list here, and I'm looking at some of these, I'm like, is this real? Like, is this a parody? Did these sound files get thrown into some system that's being passed around that we're using in all of our emulators that wasn't actually an official install but as far as I can tell, these are real. <laughs> I'm pretty sure these are real because I know we got uh, the box for Mac OS 9. So we, we, unless it was some kind of proto Amazon counterfeit, you know, we installed Mac OS 9 off of a, a compact disc that I'm pretty sure came from Apple. And it had these sounds. I remember these sounds. And like you said, yeah, some of, at least one of them has a name that is so dumb. <laughs> Two of them stand out to me. The first one is the first one on the list, which is Chew Toy, which is spelled capital C-H-U, capital T-O-Y, no space. The other one, the one that I was thinking of is Pong 2003. This is a Windows file name. You cannot fool me. No, it's a DOS file name. It's eight characters long. <laughs> um, again, no space. Capital P-O-N-G 2003. What happened? I don't know. Again, this is for Mac OS 9, which was released in 1999, not 2003. I was trying to look ahead four years to think what Pong would sound like in that. Get out of here. Another thing about Chew Toy is it is uh, in stereo. 
it's aggressively in stereo. I didn't realize that until I listened to it with my headphones on right before we started recording. Um, it's got a huge pan in it. Yeah, we usually mix our episodes down to mono, but we're going to leave it in stereo for this one. So you can have the same effect in your AirPods or in your car. One more subdued sound that was introduced here and uh, still exists in macOS today is another stereo sound, which is submarine, which I think achieves the effect with uh, a little less aggression. I think I used submarine as my alert sound for the G3 iMac I had in high school. I used submarine for a pretty long time in the early OS 10 days um, because it's just it's good sound design because it does sound like something went wrong, but it's not overly aggressive. And it's not under-aggressive like some of these other sounds. For example, like the purr sound also sounds like it's kind of, you know, in the underwater stereo aesthetic, but doesn't have enough of the error type of quality to it that uh, some of the other alerts had, and doesn't go as on the nose as something like uh-oh. Uh-oh. Which also, the naming is capital U-H space lowercase o-h. I, I, I don't know what happened. I, I guess all of these people um, were working on Copeland or something. <laughs> I think there, there might be something to that because I believe Jim Reeks left before work had started in earnest on OS 9. And, you know, your opinions, our opinions, your opinions about Jim Reeks, the man aside, it's clear that he did very good work for Apple's sound design and maybe things fell apart a little bit after he left. He definitely fit into the high attention to detail culture. No question. Uh, you just mentioned the uh-oh sound. <laughs> On the complete opposite side of a certain spectrum from that is the laugh sound, <laughs> which you must be some kind of glutton for punishment if you want a little kid to laugh at you. Two sounds carried over into OS 9 from OS 8 and earlier. Those are Indigo and, of course, Sosumi. And we've covered most of them. I think the, the other ones that we, we have yet to mention are Glass, Logjam, <laughs> Temple, and Voltage. Temple is perhaps the Windowsiest sound that Apple has ever shipped in a product. That's a really good way to put it. It doesn't have the most dossy name, but it has the most Windows sound. Yeah. I'm sure that there are stories, and maybe the stories are simply that uh, this was sound designed by committee and kind of unchecked work that got let into the release version of Mac OS 9. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of more uh, drama or or lore in general behind a lot of these sounds. And this did come at a time... Uh, Mac OS 9 is after the iMac and it's after Steve Jobs' return. So Apple is on a certain trajectory shift and uh, mostly a positive one on at that. So maybe their approach to system alert sounds had explicitly changed. And um, I think that's a good point before we uh, say what the state of alert sounds are in OS 10, Mac OS these days, uh, to talk a little bit about third-party sound customization that you could do in the classic Mac, specifically around alert sounds and the like. Um, because while in the System 7 era and beyond, there was really quite a bit of customization that you could do uh, by setting or recording or adding your own alert sound, 
Uh, and also the interface sounds that came in, what was it, OS 8? The appearance sounds. You could have your Mac making a lot of different sounds um, and have quite a bit of control over it. Uh, but I remember in the System 7 era that my family wanted more fun sounds. <laughs> and we bought a copy of a program called Kaboom. This was definitely... Uh, I mean, we probably paid like $50 for this CD <laughs> that had something like 300 sounds on it um, and included a control panel with kind of whimsical, actually very whimsical design. So the um, the logo type for Kaboom was in all different uh, swirly and bold fonts of sort of like, um, sort of like the party font. <laughs> Um, and in rainbow colors. And then the icon for Kaboom was uh, the outline of the Mac icon, like you would expect for a, a system file like, or the finder. Um, but it had big eyes and big red headphones on it. <laughs> it worked as a control panel. And what it basically did was it tapped into Apple events because, you know, Memory is open to everybody. Let's see what's going on in the system. And so the basic thing that it could do is that it could customize your... It would override the system alert sound. But it would also let you add things to other types of events, like pretty much anything, like opening windows, closing windows, emptying the trash, opening certain applications, startup. Um, oh, that was another... Oh my gosh, we had this like incredible just litany of sound files that we played every time that the that we started up our mac i don't know why i don't know why we thought it was fun <laughs> but we did so in kaboom you could set something that was called the startup sound this didn't replace the startup chime in fact when it played was whenever the kaboom control panel loaded so this was actually kind of useful as sort of an audio progress bar because starting up a Mac took a long time when you had lots of extensions and control panels. So uh, it would we had this sound, ah, ah, which would play when the control panels got to K. So you're about two-thirds of the way through the boot process. And then we did this ridiculous thing, which was a trick that you could do. I've prob you know, probably learned this in Macworld Secrets or something, is that those System 7 sound files, since they just play when they're opened, you could put them in startup items. And so they would play after the Finder launched, which would be considerably after control panels starting with K launched. But we would just like chuck four or five sound files in there, and it would just... <laughs> long ones. I remember clips of Bob Dole giving speeches. Like, I don't... I mean, it was weird. It was the 90s. What can I say? <laughs> um, but this was how we customized the soundscape of our Mac. Um, we might have also thrown some Kaboom sounds in there. To do that, because Kaboom used a proprietary sound format probably for compression purposes. Um, I think they were probably lossless compressed in some way. But the program came not just with the control panel, but with an editor application that you could open those sounds up 
and it was a basic waveform editor, and you could export them to other formats, including System 7 Sound. And then you could play them by double-clicking on them. Or you could eventually convert them to AIFF. And I have a handful of these that I've like kept along on my computer, um, going back and actually like finding Kaboom on Macintosh repository, which we'll link to, and then it would be a multi-step process to get all of these files converted to something that you could play on a modern Mac. But it was quite an interesting library. Um, as I learned, is basically a bunch of stock sounds, um, a bunch of like short TV clips. Like there are quotes from I Love Lucy that they probably didn't have the rights to. I don't know. <laughs> but there is one that I definitely remember that's called Pottery Breaking, which I guarantee you have heard before, even if you have never heard of Kaboom. I mean, this sound must have been recorded a a while. It's like 30 years old at least now. And it is a stock sound that is passed around the world. You will hear it in TV commercials. You will maybe even hear it in movies. Um, it's just one of those things are breaking sounds that gets put into the world. Um, and I remember making it the alert sound for a while, um, but that kind of drove us nuts. And we went back to something a little bit more uh, subtle, like Wild Deep. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Now that you say it, I'm almost positive that I've played games in the classic Mac era where this was a sound effect. If you like broke open something like like in Zelda, you frequently do you break open a pot or a box to get a gem or a heart inside. I'm I, I don't know what game this was, but I can see it very clearly in my mind and hear it that this exact sound effect was used in a, a game around the same time. It's in the same league as like the Wilhelm scream. It's everywhere. <laughs> If you didn't have Kaboom, you could still record and add new sounds to be used in the built-in system alert in the same way that, you know, a simple beep would fire. And uh, we have in our notes, we've I think we've talked about the Plain Talk microphone before, maybe in our uh, voice control episode. Um, and yeah, you could use that microphone that came bundled with some Macs, I think the, the entire Performa line to uh, record your own, whether it's your voice or if you're playing instruments in the same room as your Mac and uh, save them as System 7 sound files and put them in your system suitcase. I was trying to figure out how I actually recorded my own sounds. And I think that once we add Kaboom, I probably did it mostly through Kaboom because it would go into that waveform editor and you could trim the beginning and end. Not much more beyond that in terms of fancy editing, um, but that was enough to get you that close-cropped sound that you could use as an alert, because the last thing you want is like a quarter second of silence at the beginning of your alert sound, then it just feels like your computer is lagging. Yes. So you want it to be very, you know, on the ball. So I think that I did a lot of that within Kaboom. Today I was trying to figure out how would we do this... I mean, I know how we do it now, and it seemed like completely wrong in the early OS X era when we were told, well, open up QuickTime and go to new recording. That seemed totally crazy. But I think that the equally crazy thing that we did was we would open ResEdit, create a new file, create a SND resource, and then in the menu, it would say, record new sound. And you would just record it there, be saved to the resource fork, uh, you would give it the appropriate ID number, 
change the type in creator code, save the file, and you've got your System 7 sound. Not apparent to most users, but probably the way that we created a lot of these. And also in that menu, um, I mentioned the try as hypercard sound. There's one more command in that menu, four things. The last one is uh, try scale with sound, which is... I mean, again, this was one of those things that would amuse children in an era before the internet. Um, but totally wild, because it will take any sound that you throw at it and just pitch shift it and play like a C major scale. <laughs> so you could do this with Wild Eep. If it was a particularly long sound, I think it would just chop it would chop off the back end as it did it. Yeah, it would only play the first second or so. What a weird thing. And also what an interesting feature of the sound format that it could do not really bad pitch shifting. You think with core audio now, if you pitch shift a a file, you get like weird artifacts. And these didn't come out all that bad. Let's hear that uh, wild deep scale again one more time just to make sure. (laughs) To wrap up this section of like, how could you record your own sounds? There's Kaboom, there's ResEdit. Somewhere in the late System 7 era, when there used to be separate monitors and sound control panels, Apple merged them into a single monitors and sound control panel. And I think around that same time, they moved some of the functionality that was in the sound control panel into a very small application uh, called Simple Sound. And I know that this had this had a record option in it, and I think it would generate a System 7 sound file, maybe not directly in the suitcase, or maybe, because it, it did have your list of alerts there. But I know that I created at least one or two using this method. Oh, yeah, and I, I have a copy of the uh, macOS 8.0.5 sound control panel here, and uh, it's really straightforward. You open it up, and there's a button that says Add. Okay. So I guess then if you were recording an alert sound, you would just add it, and that would be it. And if you were recording something for a different purpose, uh, perhaps a longer sound, you would go ahead and add it there uh, and then go retrieve it from your system suitcase. So I I guess there were multiple ways of doing that. I definitely did a lot of that. Um, In my house as a kid, we had the uh, little tiny TV with the Super Nintendo within plain talk microphone six foot cord range. So there were some games that had like sound test menus. Uh, One of my favorite games of all time, Tetris Attack, had a sound test menu and each character had a little sound that they would make. And so not great fidelity, but I would play them on the TV and record them on the microphone. Um, And we actually used some of those as system sounds for a while because everyone in my family liked that video game and thought that the the sounds were quite clever. Um, So we would have something like... uh, Delightful Yoshi's Island character Bumpty as our uh, as our system alert sound. Yeah, we were probably more entertained by these things in 1996 than we are now. Life was simpler. I think maybe that's a good time to uh, talk about OS X then, because, man, I forgot how you could even add these, but it's actually really simple. <laughs> so if you go to the sound, uh, sound preference pane mm. in current versions of macOS, and go to sound effects, it'll say select an alert sound and give you a very not real helpful uh, list of these, uh, where 
there are all of the different sounds here. I think I, I will name them, but we don't necessarily have to play them. Uh, basso, blow, bottle, frog, funk, glass, hero, morse. Apparently a five-character limit was put on these. <laughs> Ping, pop, purr, sosumi, forever and ever, amen. As long as there's a Mac, there will be sosumi included. Submarine and tink. And these all say type, built in. And that's because they live over in slash system, slash library, slash sounds. And I tried to add something to that folder, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. System integrity protection, what are you doing? So I went, wait, how do I add these? And I went to uh, my user folder, library, sounds. There's an empty folder there. And I dropped a AIFF in, and lo and behold, there it is. It's that simple. It's actually as simple as it was in the System 7 era. It's just that, like, we've forgotten about it. To that point, uh, maybe we can link to this article from Jason Snell at Six Colors, where he talks about this too. He He's pining for the sounds of the classic Mac OS and also the, uh, the ability to customize them. He even mentions yet another utility that we didn't use called Sound Master that he used in the classic Mac OS days. There's still the people who grew up with these sound effects and the ability to customize them, whether it was through software like Kaboom or Soundmaster or just dragging them in and out of your suitcase, uh, I think still appreciate the ability or would appreciate the ability if they knew <laughs> to do it in modern Mac OS. And I, if you're one of those animals who doesn't put your phone on vibrate all the time, the ability to, to customize different uh, iPhone and iOS tones for different system events there. I know at one point it was a kind of a, a big deal in the iTunes store to buy like Lucasfilm approved R2D2 bleeps for your text messages and, and things like that. Um, so this is, this has always been there and it continues to be there, but it, it's more hidden and, and less of a, a celebrated thing in modern operating systems compared to how it was in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, but I think I'm going to have to uh, go and take that bip.aiff and rename it properly and put it in my uh, put it in my library folder. Got to at least have the option. Yeah, it's true. In that list that you mentioned, reading through uh, macOS, whatever, High Sierra or Mojave, uh, Simple Beep is no longer there, even though Sosumi and Submarine are. They're carrying the classic torch. Oh, and we've made it all the way to the end of our outline, and it literally says one more thing. One more important Apple sound effect that is not much longer than an alert sound, and we couldn't uh, go without talking about. It's the call of the dog cow, the moof. I'm sure we've talked about the dog cow on our show, and I'm sure uh, dedicated listeners of our show appreciate the lore of the dog cow. Uh, from its place in the Cairo font, all the way to the print preview dialogue, and now mostly just in our hearts. <laughs> but there are very specific Apple tech notes and developer notes where the dog cow get, has its origin story. And apparently one of them was able to embed or link to an audio file that uh, made the, the, the canonical version of the cry of the dog cow. So yes, we will include it here one more time. Another uh, great piece of Apple sound design from, uh, what, 1989, that one? So once again, presumably someone stood in front of a microphone and moved like a dog cow, which is just delightful. Yep. If we missed anything about the lore of system sounds, 
uh, from the very beginning to the present on the Mac, uh, feel free to get in touch with us and we will put it in follow-up in a future episode. Uh, to do that, you can always find us on Twitter at simple underscore beep, or if you have a longer message, you can send it through our website, simplebeep.com. And don't forget to go to simplebeep.com slash shirt if you missed out on getting a shirt either earlier this year or three years ago, our first anniversary shirt. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Bisuto, B-S-U-T-O. And I'm at E. Cormany, E-C-O-R-M-A-N-Y. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you in our next episode beginning our fifth year. Thanks for listening.